It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Nick Verzellini and Colin McLaughlin. Good afternoon and welcome into this Monday, December 18th edition of the Sports Mix. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show as we had an exciting weekend in high school boys and girls basketball. Some big wins for the EPAC. WVU falling again in college hoops, but got some guys back on the hardwood, so possibly a turnaround there. We'll talk some Shepard action as they are back on the court here tonight for men's and women's basketball. We'll talk about the NFL, an exciting Sunday once again. And uh, Colin's back from Disney. Yeah. Dylan and I are just back because we didn't do a show on Friday due to the open house. Pretty good turnout. Thank you for everyone that came out. Um, And, yeah, not much else to really say. How are you guys today? Good weekend, Colin? Good trip? Yeah, uh, very interesting time down at disney definitely has changed since the last time i was there 15 years ago enjoyed it a lot of walking so for those that i guess are looking forward to going make sure you have your most comfiest walking shoes because i think uh what i had down from the two days that we went had over fifty thousand steps in total so get your steps in yeah get your steps in bring lots of money too but hey great time at the happiest place on earth right yeah that's what they say at least don't good weekend i did yeah i had a secret santa gift exchange party with some with some friends it was a good time now we're uh a week away from the the real deal the full thing christmas yeah the big man coming down the chimneys yeah santa jolly old saint nick our show brought to you by Brown Funeral Home and Cremation, Robert Fields and Sons family owned full service funeral home, proudly serving the area since 1880. Are we having a Christmas show tomorrow? Since Dylan won't be on the rest of the week? I guess like we Christmas can. Theme? Yeah, I mean, I was going to wear my Christmas sweaters the rest of the week from what I had. At least, I only have three. It'll at least be a Christmas-themed edition of Hot Take Tuesday. Right, Hot right? Take Tuesday yeah. will have Christmas hot takes. Yeah. So. Unless Dylan is planning on coming in the rest of the week but i didn't think you were i won't oh you know what i'll be here wednesday in, instead of tuesday yes. wednesday you'll there be you oh, yeah, so i won't be here tuesday. oh no to give my the hot take on wednesday i guess or send that's, it in that's crazy yeah we gotta do hot take wednesday then i guess warm take wednesday warm take wednesday mm. christmas themed warm take wednesday <laughs> so not extreme hot takes just warm takes yeah just warm Okay. We're just I mean, getting warm. Can... We're just warming ourselves up by the fire, like yeah. you would at Christmas. Yeah. Let's get into these basketball scores that you were yeah saying. Good, good weekend, especially on the boys' side. Girls' side, they were kind of up and down, unfortunately. But um, both, I'm going to start with the the biggest wins. I feel like Musselman beats Parkersburg South, sixty-one sixty on a Troy Wilson game-winning and one. So he got the game winning or the game tying basket and then made the free throw to win the game 61-60. He goes for 22 points and 8 rebounds as well as 3 assists to help Musselman get the 3 and 1 and Parkersburg South. They were runners up last year in a pretty close state championship game against Morgantown. They lose Cyrus Trout but still a very quality team. So uh they start the year 0 and 2 
with two losses here in the Eastern Panhandle. Spring Mills gets a win, 65-58 on Saturday. So great weekend in boys' hoops with those two to start off. And then Washington, they improved to 4-0. The Patriots with a 79-49 win over Berkeley Springs. Kind of to be expected here. And Hedgesville dominated Preston 72-24. But overall, great weekend for the boys' teams. And I think those two wins could help when we get to Charleston. If the EPAC is going to get this respect, they need to challenge themselves and play these schools from across the state. Parkersburg South may be down a little bit this year from last year, but still a very good program, a team that was, again, in the state championship game a year ago. And for the Eastern Panhandle, I think to get those two wins does a lot for them. And I think it also shows us how competitive this conference is going to be because both those games were close. Musselman is looking more like the team I think we thought they would be. They seem to be picking up some momentum in these last few games offensively. And then Spring Mills, I mean, they're off their great start, 2-0. and Both games over 65 points, so or 65 points or more. So, I mean, they're looking like a team to be reckoned with, even if this is a Park South team that may not be as good as last year's team, but still very talented. Yeah, I would think that those two games would tell me that maybe Park South isn't quite that you know, championship game level team, but they, they should still be uh, really Or good. maybe those teams are. I mean, maybe Musselman I mean, and, and uh, Spring Mills are on that level this year. It could, it could be the case, too. I, mean, I know Musselman has that experience, brought back so much of their team, and it's Wollaston, Mahood, and even Santa Maria off the bench. It gives them so much size that, you know, they're, they're hard to contend with for a lot of teams. So the, the, it can be, they can be a problem throughout the state, uh, Park South saw that, and of course, Spring Mills is is the same way. They brought back enough of the, the of their last year's team uh, with Cam Thomas and and the like to where the the new guys are coming in, being contributors, and kind of filling the void uh, the way the best way that they can. And it's still a quality team. Now, unless Parkersburg South was hit with like a bunch of transfers or something. And or this roster is just completely inaccurate here on Max Preps. According to the roster they have last season, they returned everybody this year except for Cyrus Trow. He was their lone senior. So they should be back, right? But they might have got hit with some transfers. I'll have to double check what their their roster is showing for this season. But based off of what they were expected to have back, you would okay, the roster this season's messed up. It's showing 53 players. So I'm not exactly certain who's on Parkersburg South this year, but at least based on what they had on last year's roster, according to Max Preps, they should have everybody back except for Trout. Now, Trout's very good, one of the fastest players in the state. We saw him in football and basketball and I think track as well. Um, So losing him was big, but I still feel like you would have something else besides one guy, especially to get to a state championship. Absolutely. Compete against Morgantown, who we know is loaded year in and year out. So, But to at me, the same time, these are great wins to start the season. No, it it's not. Wins. But they were in that game, I think it's 63-57, I believe is what I read, for I the state so. championship last year. So, so it was a close game. It was a close game. And the fact that you got these wins should maybe – be a good sign for the EPAC. We know it's going to be extremely competitive between the six schools here, but time and time again, we always say, how can they compete around the state with the big schools? We still have to wait to see how they do. We only get to see in the regular season two EPAC schools go up against Morgantown, the 
top of the top, those being Spring Mills and Martinsburg in the regular season. But when you go up against the runner-ups to start off their year and they fall to 0-2 against Musselman and Spring Mills, you like what you see out of the boys' side of things here in the Eastern Panhandle, for sure. I don't know if this is a misprint, but according to this, and I can't really recall, this almost doesn't sound right to me, but it, it says that Parkersburg South last year beat Hedgesville in the state tournament 120-45. to 45. Is that right? I don't recall that score. I don't recall that score either. But that's what it says on here. And then they did beat Jefferson. I remember this one, 87-66. So right. just to compare that from last year to this year, I mean, the EPAC at least did a lot better. I don't remember it being 120-45, to 45, though. I feel like no. that's not an accurate score. I feel like I remember that. But 65-58 state championship last year against Morgantown. So were very talented last year. Again, they could have got hit with transfers. I don't know exactly, but um, looks like it should be a good win, I think, for these teams. And, um, you know, they traditionally have a good program there. So I think those were good challenges and, and a good start to the year for Musselman and for uh, Spring Mills. So I'm excited, I think, with those wins and what they could do for the panhandle when we get to, you know, those seeding situations and, and how this – region gets respected and, and these are the kind, kind of games they're not only going to have to play in but they're going to have to win um, so we'll see how things play out moving forward Washington again dominating Berkeley Springs 79-49 for them it, it's what Coach Miller talked about with us on Friday or I'm sorry on Thursday they need to learn how to win and they're doing that here in the early part of the season Berkeley Springs obviously isn't you know a big challenge for an EPAC team they probably would have beat them last year but to win by 30 is impressive. Put up 79 points, continue to show an ability to win games. That's really good for this young team and with a new head coach. Yeah, it's at least good to find some programs that you know that there's some distance between you and them. So you can know, okay, we're, it's a measuring stick sort of thing at the very least. And it allows you to get that confidence to, to say, you know, it, it feels good to beat a team by 30 points. You know, go out there and guys that, you know, are putting up better numbers and they have in other games, maybe some career high of numbers, depending on, you know, who it is. If it's someone, you know, on the end of the bench that doesn't usually get to play, they're maybe they're getting in more, getting some shots in, they don't usually get to take. And that builds, it does build confidence that for, the, for the future, even if you're not going to go and compete with every team, you know, later in the season. I think Washington the, the, does have a great chance to compete they this do. year. You're yeah. looking at their numbers. I mean, they're averaging you know, well over 60 points a game in every game they've played in. So, you know, they've proven to be good offensively, and I think they can compete. Yeah, I mean, they're mm-hmm. 4-0, and according to their Twitter page, it's the uh, first time in a decade that they, they've started off 4-0. So that winning mentality, like you said, that Coach Miller said – maybe starting to become a thing there. Washington, the buzz gets created as well, and they can score. It's not just close games. These are big wins. Granted, as you mentioned, some of the teams that they've played aren't to the level of what they'll see later down the road, but when you have DJ Boardley now in these four games averaging 23.5 points, it looks like. Chuck Gore, 12 points. Chris Dolman, 6 points. McCarthy, 7 points. They're able to go out there, perform well. Seems like the team chemistry is there, even with the new additions and the youth. 
Yeah. Maybe they could be a dark horse. I think they are. I think they're the sleeper team in the EPAC this year. You mentioned, you know, Gore, you got Welty as well. So they had the size to compete with, you know, somebody like Musselman. Um, they seem to have the good guard play to play with these other teams. You know, the EPAC's tough this year. Um, I really am I'm liking Spring Mills a lot in a lot of ways. Um, but it's so early, it's hard to get a judgment. But when we see Washington in person here at the Skip Fowler next week, I'm excited. I think those will be probably some good competition. Lindsley's usually pretty good. You know, it's a private school, mm-hmm. so they have they have talent, they have size, they have athletic kids there. That will be a good challenge for both Martinsburg and Washington. And I believe it's North Hagerstown yes. also coming down. So don't know too much about their basketball program, but I would think that th- at this point, that should be, you know, Skip Fowler, usually it's a pretty good challenge. Um, usually some of the better programs around the area. So I think we'll have a good idea about Washington in a few weeks. But as of right now, you know, you got to feel good about them. They're 4-0. They're winning. They seem to have young talent, and they have a. They don't seem to have a whole, at least in terms of, like, size or anything like that. Right. So. Yeah, the only thing that I'd be interested to see, though, as you said, we don't see them until the Skip Fowler, which is next week. It's also the next time they play. They yeah, get they two get weeks off. off now after this Berkeley Springs game that took place on the 15th. So can they stay hot without a game in a two-week time span? Yeah. But like Coach Miller also mentioned, you know, these games don't matter. Right. The games don't matter until later in the season, really. Um, so you're just kind of figuring out things about your team. So even if they come out a little bit rusty – in the Skip Fowler, I don't think it's a huge deal. But um, for us, it may change our perspective, right, if they come out there and you know don't look great. But I think they, they should be all right. You got time to work on some things, have some in-team scrimmages, stuff like that to keep the competition level high. But Hedgesville destroys Preston. Not really too much to talk about this one. I didn't see much in terms of box scores or anything. Yeah, but 72-24. Um, seems like, you know, they're they're – playing like typical Hedgesville I feel like you know they're winning the games they're supposed to there's been some questions in the past about the Hedgesville strength of schedule and I think it's a fair argument at times but usually when this team gets into EPAC play they're competing with everybody they're just as good as everybody else no matter who they play in the non-conference Preston doesn't appear to be a very big challenge for them but again you want to build things up and I think there's a way to do your schedule where you have a few challenges, a few games that you probably know you can win, and that will get you ready for EPAC play. You want to see a lot of different talent levels, a lot of different defenses, a lot of different things. And I think Hedgesville will be, again, like we've said, one of the better teams around here. And what is – honestly, I think we have six good teams. Like, I don't think there's a bad team. And that's – you know, record-wise, you might not see that at the end of the year, but I, I really think there's a lot of talent in the area this year. I do, too. Mm-hmm. So, moving forward, girls' side, Spring Mills, I mean, they've just had a tough schedule because I think they were expecting this team, probably when this schedule was made, to have a ton of coming back, and then things kind of fell apart for them in a year, and, and they got blown out by Morgantown, unfortunately, 71-32. Um, Musselman beat Buchanan Upshur. They're looking good. Musselman girls. Yes. They're off to a good start. And Martinsburg fell to Southern Garrett. Yeah, the Spring Mills thing is just—it's like Shepherd basketball for for the women's side last year, where you had your schedule already set, but then the roster ended up being 
way different than you expected it to be, and you had a different coach in there, so there's only... It's a rebuilding process there. Yeah, I would agree with that, but I'm excited about Musselman, I think. Yeah. They, they've seemed to have gotten some solid wins here in the early part of the year, and... Uh, yeah, Coach Potter's got them off to a nice start. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. looking good. So... We'll have two games for you this week on Talk Radio WRNR on Tuesday and Thursday. We'll talk about those more later on in the week. But this segment brought to you by Parsons Ford of Martinsburg at 1400 Shepherdstown Road and online at ParsonsFord.com. They became number one by making you number one first. Parsons. Now, back to the sports mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. We welcome you back here to the sports mix. Nick Verzellini, Colin McLaughlin, Dylan Bishop here on the show on this Monday. Unfortunately, the Mountaineers men's basketball team continues its ups and downs. And that was really the story of the game on Saturday as WVU falls to UMass 87-79 in what was a dominating first half for the Minutemen. Mountaineers got it back closer in the second half. They played much better in the second half. They got some players back on the floor that I think showed some bright spots but ultimately, Raekwon Battle wasn't able to go. Maybe if he was able to go, it helps you out a little bit more. But I think there are some positives in terms of those guys got back on the floor, looked pretty good. But there was a lot of negatives in the game as well. Giving up 87 points isn't that great. Um, the start to the game, obviously, was was very tough offensively for WVU. And then just overall, losing to UMass, UMass – used to be really good at basketball but i don't know how good they're going to be this year i think they're six and two so far but schedule hasn't been overly impressive so i don't know i feel like it's a tough loss for the Mountaineers. yeah it's a frustrating one when you only get 32 rebounds to 47 comparatively um too many fouls it seems like was an issue here too looking at the box score as UMass went 25 of 32 at the free throw line compared to 9 of 12 for the Mountaineers. You made your three, shot 40%, which is okay, not great. But lack of production from some starters. Edwards only got two points, going 1 of 7 from the floor. Unusual for him. You had nothing from Neve, nothing from Johnson. So... Three of the five starters, a total of two points, and then your other two get a majority of the points in the game over half. As Kirk Kreese, a return from suspension, he goes out and has 20 points. Edwards was he in has foul 20 trouble. Points. So, Four fouls in 16 minutes, so that hurts. Right. Um, looks like Slavinsky and Kissel also ended up in foul trouble, but yep. it wasn't throughout the entire game. Farrakhan, um, in his return, fouled out. Yeah, so that... That definitely, you know, doesn't help. But I think also this is their first game with Kissel out there, Faircon out there. So, you know, those guys are learning to play with this other group. And now you have to kind of change your style with your starters where Edwards was kind of your main guy down low. 
you add that point guard into the mix, it's giving you more of a boost. So it might take a few games, but the roster's looking a lot better, especially if this new ruling by the court stays in effect. You end up having Raekwon battle and Farcan for the rest of the season. Then you can move forward with them and you have more depth at the guard position and possibly more scoring. So I think this team should be on an upward trajectory moving forward. The problem is this, there's just so many things going against them, right? You have yes. the questions of will battle, will Farkin be eligible for the remainder of the season? So that's you know something that they're having to deal with. You have a first-year head coach in Eilert. You have new players pretty much completely learning to play with each other, and then they don't know if they're going to be playing with each other the entire season. So... Or next season now. Right. I mean, next Depending season, that's down the, the line anyway. You never know in NCAA sports now if the team's going to stick together next season. Well, I just mean like if the NCAA decides to punish them because it's the NCAA. Why would they punish them? For playing, being ineligible. But they're eligible now because of the courts. That's not the NCAA's thinking. Even They, if they can't punish them because the court ruled. Mm-hmm. Yes, they can. They said if... People that during this uh, play and it gets overruled, they might lose. How can they go against the court, Colin? This because is it America. was only for a certain time. If it gets overturned, but this the NCAA America. could put down the hammer on these kids. This the is NCAA, America. though. Well, we all know that whatever the NCAA does, it'll probably be something that they shouldn't do. So well, uh, yep. that adds up. So. I don't know. I'm all confused by this new ruling anyway. Yeah, but, but we'll see what happens with it. I hope that it just ends up being that they're eligible the rest of the season. We don't have to worry about all this. I hope stuff. so, too. I have a feeling we're going to have to worry about it. Probably. I mean, I'm not actually going to worry about it. That's true. I won't lose any sleep over WVU men's basketball. Neither were I this year. <laughs> yeah, you could, you're the Marshall guy over there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not losing sleep over the Thundering Herd. <laughs> That's either. true. As we go out on TV. That's concerning. More I mean, concerning people, than should, people should be losing sleep over playing the Marshall women's basketball team. Abby yeah. Beeman, yeah. the Shepherd product. They've been up and down this year, but I think there's some potential. They beat Florida, so yeah, that was a great true. win. First win, I think, over Power 5 since 2005. I think, I think that was since right. you brought up Shepherd, they play today. They, they do. sure do. They want they to change it. over and talk about them as uh, both men's and women's. It's, late afternoon slash evening at Slippery Rock for the start of the back-to-back away games in the PSAC. I think it's uh, winnable. We kind of touched on it a little bit last week. Um, Winless on the women's side is Slippery Rock, and then I believe only one win on the Mm -hmm. men's side. So hopefully Shepard can go out there and get the job done. Yeah, the fact that the women's team competed with Cal, who still looks like to be really good is promising although we talked about the you know the circumstances of a you know the back-to-back for cal on the road potentially had something to do with it but i mean you can't you can't just say it was all down to that the fact that the game was so close but it looks like it's a winnable game but so the, the fact that they've grown to having winnable games from last year is progress that they already have two wins and they they already have a third game you could say maybe they can get maybe get the third third one now but past that and then the the men's side it'll probably be another close game because 
know, that's what slippery, slippery Rock only has one win, but it's been a lot of close games for, yeah, for the two Rock and three point side. losses in the PSAC. So you would presume that they're going to compete with Shepard, who usually plays close games in the PSAC. So, you know, even though their record doesn't look great, I think we're probably in store for a close game tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've had a pretty tough schedule. Uh, that being Slippery Rock looking, they had exhibition games already against Youngtown, Youngstown State and Wright State. And then in the actual regular season, they had to go up against number 13 Westchester already. But mm-hmm. it doesn't really look like they can score, which is an issue we've seen Shepherd can't at times score with Shepard. They scored 71 in their loss against Millersville, but that's the only time they've hit 70. I thought they were in the 80s in a game. Did I read that wrong, though? Maybe we still talking about women, or are you thinking... Uh, we moved over to men. Kind of. Oh, I thought I was talking <laughs> women still. I didn't realize you guys moved over to the men's side. My apologies. Yes. At least that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> my bad there on that. So. No, the women's team on the on the Slippery Rock side, I don't really... I think Shepard should win yes. on the women's side tonight, based on what we've seen in the early part of the season. But yeah. a lot could change. And I, it's hard to really say, still with this program, that you're going... The Shepherd women's team is guaranteed to win a game, but yeah. you you feel like, based on the fact that they were competitive with Cal, the Rock hasn't really been that competitive. That Shepherd should win that one, or at least yeah. could. And I like their chances. Um, but on the men's side, I think close game. Who knows, really? With Co- this men's coin team. flip, basically, it is a coin flip. I feel like that's every game for them. Exactly. <laughs> they Which could why they come out, you know, really surprise you against a team. They could play down to an opponent. They could play well against a team that's pretty good. You know, it, you, I don't know. We'll see with Shepard, but you never really know what to expect, I feel like. But close game is usually a, a safe bet, bet for them in the PSAC. Anything else on this segment? Nope. All right. On the other side of this break, we'll talk NFL football. A lot to talk about over the weekend. Commanders drop another one, but Dylan has been right all along. That's about right. the Commanders quarterback situation. Ravens beat the Jaguars on Sunday night, and the Steelers are just a mess. This segment brought to you by Orsini's Home Store, not just an appliance store anymore. Visit them at 360 Hack Wilson Way or online at Orsini's.com. You're tuned into the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Guess who's back? Colin, are you saying since you returned today that you're the real Slim Shady? We all returned today, so we all have a third of a chance of being the real Slim Shady. Well, you know, could be any he does say at the end, we're all shady or whatever. We all got a little bit of shady. I, don't <laughs> I butchered that, but... It was a good yeah. attempt. I thought it was also you butchering it because he said a few words that you yes. can't say on the air. Too, the real so. Slim Shady was the friends we made along the way. That's what he says at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Eminem is a philosopher. That's what Eminem was truly all about, was a friendship, community, <laughs> loving. It's what he was all about. It still is. Accepting. Yes. <laughs> Never ups- he was not he didn't like upsetting people, you know. No, not at all. No. I wasn't upset about the commander's loss this week cuz I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Isn't that most of the time? 
Yes. Yeah. Now I'm. Upset. I'm just. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just upset that it took this long for them to prove me right. They finally put in Jacoby Brissett, and for, I'll start with you. I'll let. You, I'll. I'll settle down here for a second, Colin. I mean, you the only time I watched it was when Jacoby Brissett was in. All right, fair enough. Then I'll I didn't keep, have. I'll, I didn't have the chance to watch it on the plane. Sam Howell goes 11 for 26, 102 yards, one touchdown, one interception, a QBR of 27.8 on the, the 0 to 100, passer rate, a passer rating of 50.5. Finally, they put in Jacoby Brissett, 8 of 10, 124 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 94.1 QBR, 157.9 passer rate. That's only 0.4 away from a perfect one. I'm not sure what he needed to do more to get a perfect one out of that, but... Terry McLaurin, six catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. It's weird. No, it's strange. It's You should probably just been throwing that guy the ball. Yeah. And then apparently they only have one quarterback out of their two that figured that part out. Because Sam Howell wasn't throwing him the ball. No. Yeah. That's true. He Howell had zero was, last week, was two weeks ago. been on a very rough stretch, it seems like, for Washington. Their yes, he's inconsistent. Been, I mean, inconsistent at this point. He's been consistently bad recently uh, at least when you look at the you know the offensive numbers but it's not just been him it's been he's the, the quarterback offense. i mean he's they the can't leader run the, of the offense they can't run the ball can't run the ball can't throw the ball it's bad they just stink yes but blow the whole thing up at the end of the year yeah can't wait but apparently sam howell is going to stay the starter for next week which it's like i, I don't know Guess Rob Rivera's resigned to the fact that he's he's gone after this year, and they're, yeah. they're just going to go. They're going to tank. Yeah, I think it's partially that. It's probably still like ownership probably still wants to see more of Sam Howe because you're right. I mean, look, Jacoby Brissett can give you a chance to win football games. He's a very solid quarterback, but we also know that he has a peak. You still have. You know what Jacoby Brissett is yes you don't quite Elite. know i mean i knew what <laughs> he was if, if they, they apparently they didn't know what he was because or else they might have been starting him this whole year like a, you know like i said that they should be but yeah you don't quite know what you have in sam Howell entirely he's hasn't he's even young. he hasn't even started a whole season's worth of games yet he started one last year and hmm. now the rest of the you no know, started off this year and so there's still time for him to develop. So you might say, you might even say like, hey, let's just keep throwing the young guy out there. And if he keeps losing games, then, you know, we'll have like the second, third, fourth pick in the draft still. And we don't have to risk if Brissett really would be a spark to the offense, say, well, now we have like the eighth pick at the end of the year. And that's too much draft capital to trade up for a new quarterback or whoever we want. Marvin Harrison Jr., good off at the tackle, whatever it might be. Yeah, I think it makes sense for them to continue to roll with how at this point in the season if they were closer to a playoff spot this was earlier in the year maybe you would have flipped to Bursette after this game but with them being now four and ten you might as well eliminated already from the playoffs with the loss yeah yeah it's over you got to give him the chance to prove himself if he has anything left and proof. If not, like Dylan said, you get a really good draft pick. So I think it's a win-win for yeah, going I mean, with how It was a great week if you're looking at, as a fan, just a better draft pick because, one, you lost. Two, Panthers won. 
Yeah. I mean, so did. Yeah. Even though they're still right now at the one. Right. Bears have that pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the Bears might, with the way Justin Fields has been playing, you know, they might end up trading out of number one again if they, that's Man, where he didn't look where great he yesterday. Very bad yesterday. He had his moments. I mean, yeah, they, they didn't picks. look very good in the second half, but I don't know. They're, they're not keeping Fields. I don't see any reason. I would be a little surprised fields. if they did. Maybe if they had won yesterday, then they kept rolling. But, I mean, I kind of expected them to lose. I just feel like he needs a fresh start he I feel does like they need a fresh start if you have the number one pick back-to-back years even though they didn't technically this isn't their pick they would have the it, fifth pick right now they'd still been struggling quite a bit you have a chance to possibly get a generational talent in caleb williams and some people are kind of iffy on him he still has been hyped up a lot i think there is a lot of things that you like in his game he may not be as good as people have said but i still think he's worth the number one pick in the draft he's worth rolling the dice on and the other thing with fields is you have to give him an extension if you're going to keep him or he's going to still be more money with his fifth year option if you decide to pick that up compared to what a rookie's going to be even the number one pick in the draft so i feel like for the bears it just makes more sense for them to move on get something for fields yeah yeah if I were a team that needed a quarterback, didn't have any, you know, long-term aspirations of, you know, we have our guy right now, or, you know, we have a guy that's like kind of, we're kind of iffy on, I would go after Justin Fields, see what he's got, see if, how much of the problem with Chicago, see what the yeah, price teams is. teams that are like winning, but aren't really good. Like maybe the, Falcons, the Falcons, the yeah. Steelers. Falcons. Steelers. You know, teams in those rate the Buccaneers because you don't. You know, Baker Mayfield, I believe, is on a one-year contract. They feel like they're about the same at this point, but yeah, <laughs> I could see that maybe. Right. Um, if you're the Saints, do let's you move try? on though. Talk about teams that actually win games. Saints have locked up. Saints <laughs> San gave, Francisco. The Saints gave uh, Derek Carr like a big three-year contract. So. Buffalo. Yeah, that's the problem with the Saints. The Saints would be a good spot, but they have Carr locked up, and mm. who knows what they're doing. Um, the Ravens won last night, and I was pretty happy with it overall. Um, defense continues to be very impressive. You know, I think the strength of this team, the offense gets the job done when they need to. The big takeaway, Lamar continues to impress. I thought this was, again, a game where if you sat down and watched, I, I was really impressed with Lamar last night. You look back mm-hmm. at the numbers, you're not going to be blown away, but... I thought it was one of his better games, uh, just in terms of he looked very comfortable in the offense. When things did break down, he found a way to make something out of nothing and, uh, you know, just continued to make big plays. The other thing that I think you come away with it is, unfortunately, it looks like Keaton Mitchell's going to be lost for the season. It's a big loss. It's not a season it's not a huge derailing loss, yeah. but... The unfortunate thing is that he is, you know, a young guy with a ton of speed, brings an extra burst to that offense. They have other suitable running backs. Justice Hill has explosiveness. He can do some things that Keaton Mitchell can do, maybe at not quite the level, but I just have concerns with him. Like, he always makes me nervous when he gets the ball because I feel like he's going to fumble. Gus Edwards, though, is still a very consistent, productive running back that you give him the ball, you tell him to go forward, and he gets you three, four yards. (laughs) It's like... So right. I, I feel all right about the run game, even without Mitchell. 
it's a big loss though because he is so explosive so yeah justice hill already kind of took some of the passing down snaps from keaton mitchell because he's a much better pass blocker yes and they didn't really trust keaton mitchell to be out there as a pass blocker and that's i think going to be something that the ravens need to do more of is use extra protection other than just the five-man offensive line protection because ronnie stanley and morgan moses are banged up yeah and ronnie stanley I would doubt if he ever gets back to uh, the point that he used to be, where he's a pro bowler. I think, I think after the season, you, you cut ties with Ronnie Stanley. I, I think you look. He for may your, even your new consider retiring it up, honestly, because it he seems might. like every game he's got something. This week it's a concussion. Yeah, and Collinsworth was even talking about it on the broadcast, where he had a holding penalty, and then later on he had the helmet-to-helmet hit, where yeah. he's saying the reason that this is happening he is because he, he can't get low enough with his knees, uh, being as you know kind of torn up as they are. And then Morgan Moses is dealing with injuries on his side. That's why they're kind of rotating in, at, rotating in Patrick McCarry and Daniel Falele for some drives. So that'll be tough. But Keaton Mitchell, it, it is a tough loss. You hate I, it. That sucks. But I think the running game a lot of times is your, your running back can make the difference with how many explosive running plays you have. Keaton Mitchell was definitely good at that. But most for the most part, your offensive line, you know, as, as long as your running back has like replacement level vision to like right. see the holes, a lot of times those first five yards of a carry is what your offensive line determines if you can get to five yards. And then your running back can determine how much more than five yards you get, basically. I think with the Ravens, too, they have the Lamar Jackson dynamic. Right. So teams have to worry about him in that run game. It opens up things for other guys. But you do notice a difference between Mitchell and the other backs Mm -hmm. in terms of he hits that hole and it's seven yards instead of maybe four yards on a play. Yeah, they did play the majority of the season with the group that they're going to have now. Right. So because Keaton Mitchell didn't come in until the Seahawks game, which was like week nine, J.K. Dobbins got hurt in week one. So from that stretch in between, I think it was seven games where they were mostly just using Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. And they they did fine. The running game was fine, I I thought. That was in that time period where they're like, do we trade for Derrick Henry or Josh Jacobs? They didn't pull the trigger on it. But it it was fine. I didn't think that they needed to make a trade like that at the time. And they, they passed the ball. Todd Monken loves to pass the ball. So they're going to keep passing the ball. They got Lamar Jackson. Likely he's looking good. They Yes. that's the that's. I wasn't too worried about the offense when Andrews went down because I knew they likely had this kind of performance in them. So they got the 49ers on Christmas night next week. I'm excited for that because we don't often, because of the single elimination ter- aspect, the dynamic of the playoffs, a lot of times you don't get the two best teams in the Super Bowl. You, or or the AFC champ or AFC NFC championship, but I th- or you could even say you don't get the best NFC team versus the best AFC mm-hmm. team in the Super Bowl a, a lot of time because you know anything can happen in one right. game. Usually, you get the team that's the hottest or whatever. Right, exactly. Right. That's so that's why I'm excited for next Monday's game where I think it's clearly the best team in the NFC, clearly the best team in the AFC playing against each other. I do too, and I think San Francisco at this point, you know, with some of their wins this year. They've just blown by some teams. The Ravens have just blown out some teams. So it feels like for both of these teams, if this game is close, win or lose, it almost feels like these two teams would be then unstoppable in the playoffs because of how they've beaten some of the other great teams in the league. 
But it's the like, playoffs, yeah. like you said, Dylan, you know, it's always unknown. Right, Any team can really beat anybody once you get into the playoffs because it's football, and and that's the beauty of it. In some ways, I think it's going to be a fun game next week. Right. We've seen the 49ers blow past those other top NFC teams. We haven't seen the Ravens play They've the Dolphins. They've blown past some of they, the other top NFC teams. They have. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't seen the Ravens play those tippy-top ones, 49ers, right. Eagles, Cowboys, or play the Chiefs, Dolphins, yeah. throw the Bills in there if you want. Uh, but they get to play the Dolphins in two weeks. So it's, it's, these next two games, and, and this past one, I thought, were, although the Jaguars are on a sl- in a slump. Still a good team. Very important three-game stretch to see, like, is this team, can this team win the AFC, win the Super Bowl? Because we know they're really good, but I think these next two games are going to be... Can they win it all? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you hope that San Francisco just loses somehow, if I'm being honest, but... Um, yeah, we'll see based off of next week, too. Steelers, we can spend a little bit of time on them. I feel like they lose to the Colts 30 to 13 on Saturday. And, you know, this team, I think there's still some talent there, but it's just, you know, they're hurt. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have an entire offense. They, yeah, they haven't found their identity on offense the entire season. They haven't found really much on defense either at times I thought they looked kind of soft on Saturday like it didn't look like the Steelers defense that we've seen at times they were allowing the Colts third and fourth string running backs at this point to just kind of run all over them it yeah. felt like Gardner Minshew has played really well for the Colts so I want to give you know him credit and of course they're off their or I mean their head coach uh, Steichen has done a great job but yeah I mean, the Steelers are just, I think they need a change. It seems like Tomlin just has kind of run his course. I don't know if they would make that change because, like we said before, this is a franchise that has three coaches since the merger. Um, And, you know, you don't really see them changing it. But Rob brought up a good point this morning that Tomlin hasn't signed an extension. I think he only has a year left on his deal after this year. So maybe things are on the way out. So. We'll see about the Steelers, but I still think with that franchise, their history, they'll be back at some point soon. Yeah. I do too, but this year it seems like is uh, just coming to an end. They might not win another game. Yeah. Wraps Wraps up this segment of the Sports Mix. This segment brought to you by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. Visit their new website, FordaHagerstown.com. Now, back to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Collins, camera's moving. Uh As we welcome you back to the Sports Mix. For some reason, it likes to do that recently. It doesn't like to stay on you. Yeah. does that to Rob, too, at times. Yep. You guys like fighting? Just these motion cameras. You have a tough relationship with the camera? No, it's just that the cameras have a mind of its own. It's true, yeah. Free independent cameras. (laughs) And they don't need no Colin. They don't need no man. Rob, me, anybody here in this chair to tell them where to look and what to do. Yeah, we got about three minutes left on the show. We were going to have maybe an MVP discussion, but it doesn't feel like a fair amount of time. 
to discuss. The I mean, we could there. still give our give our elevator pitches on sure. the person that we think. Dylan, let's hear it. For me, you can look at the stats. If you look at you say who has the best stats this year, it, it, it's Brock Purdy because he has this great supporting cast around him. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, great offensive line, Kyle Shanahan playing play caller. But is that really what MVP is? Is it who has the best stats at the end of the year? It can be. But to me, the MVP is who's the best player and who's had the best season and who's been the most valuable player for their team and been the most valuable player in the NFL. Normally, even even just a week or two ago, I said Patrick Mahomes. But I think it's clear to me now that we go, we drop ourselves down to his season. He's having himself a little down year because of his supporting cast. Lamar Jackson should be the most valuable player of the NFL. I don't have enough time to counter. <laughs> you know who it won't be after this past week, even though we probably not Tyree Kill conversation. Dak Prescott. Uh, I was saying Tyree because of the injury. Ah, people both. were trying to say Dak Prescott should be in that conversation, but they go out there and lay an egg against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think uh, I think you know the Purdy argument continues. I think still he's done some great things. I like to your guys' thought of on Monday night, Christmas, winner of that should be the favorite. Ravens, the winning 49ers. quarterback. I think the winning quarterback of that game might win the MVP. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. If the Ravens beat the 49ers and Lamar has you know another great game, you got to give it to him. That right, wraps things up on today's edition of the Sports Mix. We'll be back tomorrow.